0: When you're, you have just enough, you feel okay, but kind of tired. When you're just below that, they call you dehydrated, so you better hurry up and do something about it. It's going to affect you to get a headache. Your eyes are going to hurt. There's all these symptoms that come with, wow, my water level's a little low, right? Now, i don't make everybody in here thirsty today because you've got the water there. <laughs> but if you get too much, it's also the same. Did you hear about that guy that did the radio show out in LA and, and they had a gallon of water challenge. And you had to drink it in so many minutes. and try to win. I know, something ridiculous like 500 bucks. It wasn't a lot. But the guy did it. And basically he was it, ended up, it ended up taking too much. So it's really this weird matter. But what we need to understand about water is that when God used that analogy about water being living water, being that water that refreshes, he knew what took medical science decades and hundreds and thousands of years to discover, which is, wow, is critical to our health. It's critical to our sustainability. It's critical to life. So that analogy, connection, wasn't just willy Hilly. He knew how important it was in life sustaining. But we'll do anything, because it's critical to life. We'll drink water out of anywhere. We've all seen those movies. The guy crawling across the desert, and he reaches this nasty bottle, and you hear the plastic crinkle. <laughs> He's trying to breast that that last. these tablets on sale, that if the water's really nasty, you drop the tablets in your water, and you shake it up and wait a few minutes, and it's fine. Just like fresh water is what it said on the package. Now, what they have to do with me is also get me one of those kind of men in black movie things where you, so I forget where it came from, because putting that to your mouth even in the worst situation will be hard, because in your head you're thinking, what is in that? Anybody you see any of those crazy shows that are on? I mean, it's Discovery right now. You know, look, I do not understand naked and afraid. <laughs> 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 and you just say stupid <laughs> and <anything>. afraid, <laughs> ridiculous and afraid?
1: The I win
0: no money, but we'll have a hospital visit in thirty days. <laughs> you know. You know, I, I don't understand that, but you see them doing this kind of stuff and the logic, you know, they're rating on the scale of survivalism because they know how to boil water through, through uh, I don't know, uh, are surrounded by lava rock, which will be purified. No, 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 read some of those background stories. Follow some of those people. Go look and you'll see. Three days after they did the they were hospitalized in L.A. hospital. The Bubonic plague. Well, yeah, with some kind of crazy curve out of the pub, right, because it was not a good source. And then there's, there's this thing, that, that whole, you know, it, it, the, if you boil it for a certain amount of time, it's fine. Right? Fine. I don't know. Still, maybe I just get grossed out too easy, but that's fine. But in some of the countries around the world that I've been, this is fresh water. They wait for the, it to rain, and the puddle gets big enough, oh and they send the kids out with every vessel they can find filled up. And this isn't a boiling component or a drop of tablet in it. This is just, we got to live. That's why waterborne diseases are, are so rampant in many of those countries. <laughs> and this was in India. I'm just making sure you're paying attention. You see in that? That's a, right? and that's a cobra. There was a drought in India. And during the cobras will normally stay away from busy places most of the time. This cobra had come into the community, and the drought was so bad that they didn't I don't know about you, but this guy right here, I'd have poured it in a puddle and I'd be gone like the snake bun. Him, right? I, I, I'm not even sure I would have, look, I'm gonna be honest, I'm not sure I would have cared for the snake. <laughs> I just, need to just say that right out loud. But nonetheless, this guy, he was a snake handler, and he knew the snake was thirsty. Did not want to waste the water by pouring it out. So instead, he held the water bottle out, and the snake came over and took a drink. To no, uh uh-uh, no. <laughs> but that's him telling you, right, that hand right there says, that water is so valuable, I don't want to waste it. But I do want to care for that critter, so here we go. Wow. Most places in the world I've been, this is how you get your water. It isn't your spigot, it's your spout, or your spout. It is a jug or a vessel on top of your head. And then you usually walk a mile or two from a well to wherever you need to go. Those things have about five gallons, three to five gallons each. So on her head, which this lady right here is at uh, 60, 65 years old, she's got 25 or 30 pounds on her head. And they do it every day, like clockwork. It's a social thing. You see them, you know where they're going because they're carrying the buckets by their side sometimes. But often they're just so good at balancing it, it's on their heads. That's me. That bucket's empty. <laughs> and I could barely lift it. You, you yeah, me using my head. That time, I finally, I don't know. But just trying to understand these ladies and the, the complexity of what they do every day. And then this is, the, we went to a, a village, this is in, in India, it was way out in the middle of nowhere, and they had dug up, I want to say, 50 to 70 holes trying to find a well. Nothing. These ladies were walking one to two miles every day with a thing on their head to find water. We, had, we came in as part of a missions trip. And the pastor there was a local pastor. You always connect with somebody that knows the land of the land. He knew that the situation and how dire it was for these people. And he said, I feel like we need to go out there and pray. So he went out and he prayed. He went out and he prayed. And they dug these holes everywhere. And he went right near their village. And he prayed and he said, dig a hole right here. And they all said, nah, no, there's all these reasons why that was just ridiculous. Number one, it was incredibly convenient. It's why like, it's just holding bus out of down in the kitchen. Incredibly convenient. There's their, their hut, right in the back. Doug, five feet later, water started coming out. And they said, well, no, 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 that's just that water that comes to the surface. That's not a real well. So they kept digging. A hundred foot later, the well is still billowing. And they're, they're astounded. And so now we've, we've had a moment where God's intervened in their lives and said, look, I want to, through that analogy of water, we're able to, to witness and minister to these people. They knew the plight of carrying it from miles away. They knew how heavy it was. They knew they did not have the option to wake up and say, I just don't feel like it. Because without water, you die. Your animals perish. Your children are sick. Yeah, I have to have it to go. I mean, it is, we don't realize what we have until so you don't have it. And for them, all of a sudden, it became convenient. And that was God's way of saying, look, let me, let me make this analogy real for you. That I want to provide... It's right here, right where you are. Out, the old villager told me there. And there's lots of stories about that experience something I'll share with you guys later. But one of the things he said to me, and I, and, you know, that, that little broke into the city said, you're really going to find your well before you first. He kind of had that little bit of a bridge and find your before you first. And I thought, why is your well before you first? And I think to thinking about it, how poignant is that to know where that source is for what you need. And for us, as we're, we're sitting here today, and the whole point of all this is Jesus. When you, when you know where you can go for what you need, you already know where you can go, where your living water is. A lot of us want try, but then it's all you're thinking about I is, i got to find something to drink. Hey, I'm thirsty. i you thirsty? I'm thirsty. We start asking the people around us, you thirsty because you are going in that direction. You just want to go in. <laughs> and you know what's really amazing is everybody on the planet, no matter what they believe or where they're from, understand that it's necessary to sustain life. Everybody. You don't have to argue that point with anyone anywhere on God's planet. They all know it. Thirst also describes that strong spiritual desire. The soul thirsts for God, mentioned in Psalms several times. Jesus meets the soul's thirst with the water of life. You see that in John, many verses. They shall hunger and thirst no more. Revelation and Isaiah. The reference to spiritual thirst being quenched appears in the scripture more than 40 times. Actually, it's actually exactly. Spiritual thirst. God making that connection between the body's need to, to just operate and function and the spirit's need for God to operate and function. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and free. Come to me. Can you imagine? You're, you're walking through Butch Gardens and, and uh, you're trying your best to figure out... You know something, i figured out why it is on. I don't know, do you know what it is? All right, let's turn this off. Is this is All right, let's see what I'm right. doing. No here, just a second. How about that? Is that better? Ooh, can you hear me now? Should I start over? They're like, oh, please, no. All right, sorry. <laughs> All right. Uh, We recognize physical thirst, but do we recognize spiritual thirst? Do you know what that looks like? When you're physically thirsty, your lips are kind of dry and your throat's kind of tight. And, you you know, you know. You're getting a headache and you're not really sure why you're getting a headache. You've been drinking Coke all day. Surely you're not dehydrated. you know, that's the way we think. I had a coffee. It's got water in it. I mean, that's the way I think. Water is not my first choice. Anybody knows me knows that pretty well. But it, it is not sustaining. It has to be in, the, in its purest form to hydrate. And so do you recognize spiritual thirst? Do you know what that feels like when you're at a point where you need a filling? So I want to talk to you for a minute about that woman at the well. We've all heard this story over and over and over, and we we think we know it, but there is so much packed into this little story that often we, we overlook a lot of the details. It says that Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. And although, in fact, Jesus wasn't the one who was baptizing, it was the disciples, he decided he was going to leave Judea, and he went back once more to Galilee. So he's kind of setting the stage that, look, there's a reason I was backtracking. There's a reason I was heading in this general direction. Now he had to to go through Samaria. And that's near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. well was there and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down at the well and it was about noon. So here's what he's telling you here in our vernacular. I was riding down the road. I was trying to get where I needed to go. I was going by Tanya's house. I needed some water. I pulled in her driveway because I know Tanya. Tanya knows me. I'm fairly certain she's not going to get mad if I pull up at her water hose. So I'm going to stop here at Tanya's water hose a second. He's establishing the relationship with the people and the, the relationship with the well and understanding that he knew the route and it was a common route to take. Now, you notice here, this is one of the only places in Scripture that says that he was tired from the journey. I think that's really important for us to realize that he recognized that he needed something from the well. He recognized that he needed to rest a minute. He recognized he needed to take a break. He had a mission. It was a pretty big mission. He was, he was busy. He was doing stuff. But there was a season and a moment and a time that he needed to sit. He needed to be at the well. I think he was trying to help us know, hey, recognize when you're tired. Recognize when you're thirsty. Recognize when you have a need and then do something about it. Do the right something about it. And so all of a sudden, and it says in his journey, he sat down by the well. It's real important that he says that it was noon. In those regions of the world where the daytime temperature can get, you know, 100 plus, 110. I, I got a, a text one time from a friend, the rear view mirror, you know, a will read the, and it said 112 degrees. And he wrote at the bottom, I've got the AC on. <laughs> so he was trying to say, outside it's really, really intense, but you know, we're doing okay. But in that part of the world, when you get 112 degrees, and then all of a sudden you add to that just the reflection of the harsh ground and environment, the lack of shade, all of a sudden, you know, we all complain when it, it, it's going to feel like 107 today. You know, when we hear that heat index component, it's pretty significant. There's a reason why the ground doesn't have a whole lot of foliage in many places. There's a reason why the ground is kind of cracked in many places, because the water has been drawn away. We see in Scripture the cedars of Lebanon. I've talked about this many times. And when there's a drought, those cedars, all of a sudden instead of these beautiful plants will recoil. And it's, it's not calling the owner to come chop them down. What the cedar's telling you is, I'm going deep. I'm going to get some water. When it rains again, I'll be back. But the tree is smart enough. It's in scripture over and over and over. References to the cedar in Lebanon. It's trying to help you understand that it had the wisdom to know. Let me go deep when things are harsh. Go deep. The sustenance. What's going to sustain me? Let me go deeper. Anyway, so when we're talking about noon, people at the well would gather at the well early in the morning. This was an early bird activity. Why? Because the springs that are feeding these wells, the well water would be high because it was not hot and it had all night to fill and not evaporate. So when you go to the well real early in the morning, there's a couple things going on. It's cool. The water is a little chillier because it's been out there all night long. The water is high in the well, which means that instead of a 50 foot rope, you can have a bucket and pour it in your stuff, a bucket and wash your clothes. You can have your bucket and feed your animals. And maybe go down a little bit. But that that well is cool and fresh. So everybody gathers at the well early in the morning. And that's kind of like going to the movies. Everybody gets together. They're all talking. What you doing? How to go last night? Where were you? There's a social gathering. There's something going on at the well. They all recognize we all need the well. Let's all get together and we'll talk while we're using the well. But when you go to the well, nobody's there. Why? Hot. The water's no longer as cool as it was early in the day. And if everybody has fed all their animals, gotten all their buckets full, loaded up their camels, moved on for the day's allotment of water they need, the well when you look in it, is now the water's way down there. You're looking for that ripple, right? So now, the water that five hours earlier was easy to get, is now, so far, you need a rope, you need a bucket, you need the muscle to pull it up over the side as it fills. The wa- the work and intensity to, to get access to that water is very different. Noon is when you go when you don't want anybody to see you. You ever go to the grocery store? Five o'clock's not time to go if you don't want to talk to everybody, because we're all in there, right? So sometimes you'll say, wait, I'm going to There uh, no, won't be anybody in there, nobody in line. I'll get it done. It's okay that my hair needed curlers. <laughs> it, it's okay that I look like I just touched grass because I'm not going to see anybody. Although that never works for me. It never I Let's see, have I got it now? It's uh, not staying in. I don't know what I did to it. All right, so the point is noon is important. It wasn't a refreshing time of day. There was no, there's no umbrella over the well, right? There's nobody else there. So when the Samaritan woman came to draw water, see, Jesus was already sitting there, right? He was already, he had already arrived. Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? And he said, well, wait a minute, what? Remember, the water is now really deep. She probably brought along, I'm certain of it, her coils of rope and her bucket because she knew she had to wait. She felt so worthless around these people, so, so tainted. She didn't want to be around anybody. She didn't, it wasn't worth cool, refreshing water to have somebody go, did you see her? Oh my gosh, I can't believe she'd show up at the well. They didn't have much respect for her. They didn't have any need for her to be around them. Can you, can you imagine? It's that, it's that same kind of kid thing where somebody walks up and they don't want to be around them and you see the whole group and leave them standing there. She felt that every time she'd go to the well. So she taught herself, go afternoon, nobody's there, it's harder, it's lonely, it re- reinforces the fact that I'm worthless, but at least I get my water. So, will you give me a drink? Well, see, his disciples had already gone into town. They were getting stuff done. Jesus knew that there was something he needed to do. So the Samaritan woman said to him, "But well, you're a Jew, and, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? What she was saying was, You're not supposed to talk to me. I'm nothing. Your folks don't talk to my folks. This is, this is I mean, I, I don't want to make it comical, but what I'm trying to say is like Hatfield-McCoy kind of thing. You just don't communicate with one another. It's not a good thing. If anybody saw you talking together, it would be not a good thing. But Jesus wasn't really worried about that. And he answered you, answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Jesus was talking in a bit of a riddle. And in essence, he was saying, hey, if you knew who I was, if you knew me, you would be asking me to help you. You'd be asking me. If you knew, I can tell you don't know me because you're, you're afraid to even talk to me. But if you knew me, woo, you'd be asking. And she said, well, sir, the, the, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and, and the well is really deep. Where can you get this living water? In other words, you just ask me for a drink. She's thinking physical water. I've got my rope and my bucket. I mean, I'm glad to help you, but you're not supposed to talk to me. And you're telling me that you have water greater than this? And now get where she's going here. Are you greater than, than our father Jacob who gave us the well... Establishing the age of this well and its filling and its history of filling. And, and he drank from it himself, which means, wow, this is an old well. And, and did also his sons, which was a legacy well. It's gone on to multiple generations and their families and their livestock. In other words, a lot of water has been taken out of this hole and it is continuing to provide. Continuing to provide. It's old. And he's telling her, look. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. In other words, you drink from here, you'll be back tomorrow. Guarantee it. Because you you need water to sustain life. He said, but I'm talking about something different. Whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst again. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. He was talking about that that forgiveness that comes, the weight that lifts. So it goes on in the scripture, and she, he says, go get your husband. And she said, oh, I don't have a husband. And she says oh yeah, no, you got five husbands. He was trying, he was making sure. She didn't think, look, I'm not coming on to you. I'm not playing. This isn't one of those, hey, let's meet up at the well moments, which is so, seems to be so significant in her story. This isn't how this is working out. I know you and what I'm telling you is there's a burden and a lifting that needs to come that that well that makes you cry sometimes when you feel so touched inside that part of you that wants to say I'm forgiven I'm loved I'm cared for I'm worthy of cold water she hadn't felt worthy of cold water in decades she didn't know what that felt like she didn't know anymore what it felt like to get with a group of people and not worry that her sins went before her she didn't know I like this other translation in the message. It says, everyone who drinks this water will get thirsty again and again, referring to the water in the physical well. Anyone who drinks this water, anyone who drinks the water I give will never thirst, not ever. The water I give will be an artesian spring within, gushing fountains of endless life. That means that you can't go to God over and over and over and all of a sudden one day get up and go, Lord, I need you, and the well is empty, that there's nothing for you. That will never happen. Nothing you take to God exceeds the capacity of His well. Nothing you need exceeds the capacity of His well. No need, no asking, no fervent prayer, no begging, no constant attitude of need exceeds the depth of the well of God's goodness. It's never ending. Artesian. Artesian is like that, I don't know, Fuji water, five bucks a bottle. You know what I'm saying? It's valuable, it's clean, it's fresh, it's pure. It's a blessing. And you're invited every day to come to the well. Every day, come to him and say, Lord, my need is, and God says, hey, endless. Endless is the provision I want to give you. And on top of that, bonus round, because a lot of times we put need before realization. After you feel like God is meeting your needs, he says, oh, by the way, knowing me as Lord and personal Savior As much as I love you, you are growing to love me right back. By the way, endless life is yours. Eternity is yours. This well exceeds this place and takes you into the next. The eternal life that is promised to you is yours. Yeah, every day you're going to blow it. Every day there's sin. Every day there's that moment where you you trip or stub your toe or fall off a little bit. You get irritated, you honk the horn. Whatever it is. We all do it. But the well never runs dry of his forgiveness. It never runs dry of his grace. It never runs dry for you. It is always fresh. It is always refreshing. And you don't have to worry about anybody else judging you when you seek him. Did I break it? That may be the amen and hallelujah. (laughs) Has it got to start again? Over there, huh? Oh. Oh, I was about to do something else. So Jesus is an artesian spring, gushing fountains of endless life, living water. Have you found your well? That old admonition from the guy in the middle of nowhere, India, who didn't really know Jesus as Lord and personal Savior, but was coming to understand that the God who could see water at his front door had blessed him when he had tried more than 70 times and failed. Because his assumption was, oh, it must be out there or it can't be here. God wants to bless you right where you are. Right where you are. Have you found your well? Do you tap into that well on a daily basis? Do you make it harder than it needs to be? Are you wrapping the coils of rope around your elbow so that you can reap to a really deep God? Is that way off? When really, it's right here. Lord and personal Savior, the whispers of your heart, He hears. You are thinking it and thinking, well, let me talk to God about it, not realizing you. In your thought, you have already spoken to Him. He hears you. He knows where you're at. You don't, you don't need to labor so intently to reach his living water. He wants that to go with you every day. Imagine your cup always full. There's a in the Psalms that says your cup overflows. That's at grace and mercy. Are you thirsty? Are you thirsty? Is there something in your life that says, you know, I just need more Jesus in this part of my life? Once you know, if you don't know Jesus as Lord and personal Savior, then when I say, are you thirsty? I'm saying, do you know him? Do you have access to the well? Are you making life harder than it needs to be? Life more abundantly is yours if you'll accept it. But we're hard-headed. We've got to get people to talk us into blessings. How many times when somebody says, I do this. I acknowledge it. They'll say, oh, here, let me give you this. Oh, no, that's okay. You make them tell you three times before you take it. Because you don't, you, know, you don't want to put anybody out or whatever. You make people beg to bless you. Are you thirsty? And if you know Jesus as Lord and personal Savior, is there something going on in your life? Are you sick? Are you hurt? Is it finances? Is it friends? Is it family? Is there something that you're just thirsting for an answer or a solution or an opportunity for God just to do something? There's an important question that we really have to ask ourselves. Which best describes your relationship with Christ? Are you a rock? Or are you a sponge? Which one best describes you? See, we talk about Jesus is the God is the rock. Jesus is the rock. Well, that means he's not changing. He's dependable. He's formidable. Always there, always present, ever present. But when we describe ourselves as a rock, then that's that, that part of us that says, "No, I've got all the answers." We're, we're somewhere like this. Oh, no, you know, we've kind of built walls. We're fortified. We're, we're, I hear all the time, I am who I am. This, way, this is just the way I am. My dad was this way. My mom was this way. This way I am. This is the way I am. See, this is the way I am. Take it or leave it. This way I am like wow and then I meet sponges that are kind of like this they'll take it in and then they'll be really abrasive with whatever they've taken in they will do their best to almost rub you the wrong way to make sure you know I've taken something in now let me let you feel bad about it I don't know. So I need to know if, you, if you're a rock or a sponge, and you know, I hate to disappoint Tanya because she doesn't like it when I don't bring things. So uh, I will do my best not to make a mess at the church. I'm not being disrespectful. I ask if I can move all that, because I know there are people that get men out of shape on that stuff. So I don't even do this at my own house. Here we go. Okay. Okay. See, I could set all this stuff up ahead of time, but then y'all are going to be all staring at it. <laughs> you want be listening to me? See, I know how you are, right? Look, are you a rock or a sponge? Right? We're all pretty familiar. Rock, right? So, so rock goes to church. Rock asks people to pray for him. Rock says, please, please, please. And then there's a pouring. There's that, that God wanting to bless them, whatever. And then at the end of the day, when the rock comes out, it says, Well, you know, I got kind of wet. It felt kind of good at church. I felt pretty good when I left church. I felt good when they prayed for me. But do you know, about an hour later, I was right back in the same place. I was still worrying about it. I was still thinking about it. I was still hard-headed. That's hard-headed right there. Any of us hard-headed? Awesome. Right? Any of us not want to receive what God has for us when it is contrary to what we want him to say? Right? We all have this tendency right here. Sometimes we know too much. I can pray with somebody and they say, well, no, you don't know my family history. I've been there, done that. This is the third time this has happened. This is where we're at. I know what I know. How are you going to change anything? I'm not changing anything. But God wants to bless you. Because inside of this rock is nothing. It's more rock. There's no water, there's no sustenance. There's a great deal of heaviness inside this rock. And the rock can go and try to suck up all the God it can get. But the attitude is still there of nothing is getting in my heart, nothing's gonna change me, nothing. Because I know too much and I'm gonna protect myself, I'm never gonna get hurt again. Nobody's gonna mess with me anymore. I know too much. Look, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna try to say, oh Jesus, and I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna sing the song, and there's this song I really like on the radio. And I listen to Christian Cirrus and all the time in my car, and you get wet all the way to work. But about 30 minutes after you get there, you are rock again. You're ready to go. Let's rumble. Remember that guy? Let's get ready to rumble. Remember him? That's where we are, right here. We're well-intentioned. If the rock can go to church, that's awesome. And the rock can sense, wow, there's something different here. And the rock leaves a little wet. It's like, wow, that felt good for a minute. But then the rock, instead of allowing the Lord to penetrate, the Lord to change, the Lord to maybe open up some perspective of the blessing that's intended, decides later, I would rather go with what I know than the uncertainty of who I could know. So it stays a rock. What if you're a sponge, first thing you notice about a sponge, the lightweight. It's lightweight. There's a reason for that. I don't think anybody would want to watch with a really heavy sponge, but that's just me. All right. But it's lightweight, but here's the point. When you're a sponge and you're in need and you imagine yourself, Jesus, help me. And you put yourself in that situation. God, help me. Speak to me. Change my heart. I'm so sad. I'm overwhelmed. I'm burdened. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to react. I don't know how to deal with people. I'm not sure. I've been hurt so many times before. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Please be with me, Lord. Please, please help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. And you know these moments when you're crying out to Jesus. He knew what it was like to, to pray and seek with a fervency that was so deep. What's well, shortest scripture in the Bible? Jesus praying in Gethsemane. And Jesus wept. To pray with that depth of urgency that just brings you to tears. But you know in your heart, God, I need you. Help me. Help me. And then there's that relationship. It's almost like breathing where you feel the Lord come in and then all of a sudden the things in you that shouldn't be there go out. And then you find yourself once again seeking the Lord, saying, Lord, help me, help me, fill me. And now your day has changed and the weight of your sponge has changed, but it's a a liberating weight. It's a refreshing weight. And if I take this rock to church every day and I listen to all the Christian music and I get it all done and I can speak, I can talk to talk with no heart. Right? I can speak Christian. And then you go to the rock. Not God is the rock, but that person whose heart is hard. Who, does Who already knows everything? And you say, look, I'm having a real hard time. Can you pray for me? Can you help me? And all of a sudden, they're not real empathetic or they're not real kind or they tell you to suck it up, buttercup. There's better things to do. Or they say, sure. That's about what you're going to get. You're going to the wrong source. You love the rock. You're familiar with the rock. But the rock cannot sustain you. And often it's harsh in its filling and correction and wanting to help you. It may be very willing, but boy, you're going to pay a price. Because all the rock can really offer you is surface. Whatever the surface tension happened to pick up. But you, on the other hand, you go to somebody who's seeking Jesus, who knows Jesus as Lord and personal Savior, and you say, Please pray for me. Look, I'm not asking you to be perfect, but you know the source. Your heart is softened to him. You you want to receive what he has for you. And you say, pray for me. And all of a sudden, something happens. And then as your source, as you have tapped into Jesus, you are now praying for someone else. You are able to pour out, not with fear that your well will go dry, but knowing you will go back. And that sustaining happens. That as you get emptied every day, as the rocks and the sponges work together, There's an emptying that happens. There's an exhaustion that happens. This is why when I say every day, start your day with prayer. Every day, find a minute to pray. When you're driving down the road or sitting at a stoplight, whatever it is, find a minute to open your sponge and say, Jesus, help me. Fill me. Whatever is in me that is not you, help me get rid of it or better yet, just deal with it. Because I want to be more like you. I don't want to be here. I want to be here. And then when people say, well, how do you pray for people? How do you serve people? It comes because you are so full in your spirit. You know that when somebody looks at you and says, hey, can you pray for me? Something bad's going on. The experiences in your life have now turned into that living water. The thing that the Jesus that you know as Lord and personal Savior is available and ready. You've been to the well. You know. You know. You know how to fill and redirect to the filler. You say, I'll pray with you, but in Jesus' name, I'm praying for you. Because Jesus has helped me, I'm going to pray for you that Jesus will help you too. Are you a sponge or a rock? In our situations, in our lives, we can vacillate. There are certain situations where we are totally open to the Lord's leading. We are totally open to what God has to say for us. To us, we're open to the the experiences that we've had and how he's blessed us. But if somebody has hurt you, somebody has broken your heart, somebody has left you, something has gone on that has left this part of your life like this, you are not receiving the fullness of what God has for you and the blessing he wants to be in your life. He wants you to forgive these moments. He wants you to let those things go. He wants you to become more like the sponge so that as He fills you, your whole character and nature changes. Your whole character and nature is something different. People say, I don't know, something different about you. What happened to you? They can see there is a difference that's taken place. We want this. We want that refreshing. We want to feel, oh Lord Jesus, help. And we want that, that answer. We want to sense that he cares so much about us that he is, he is willing to pour out. He says he is. We've got to be in a state to receive it. He wants to embrace you right where you are. He doesn't say get it, get it together, get it clean, get it straight, make sure you don't sin. He says sin no more, but he knows that that is our nature that we will blow it on a daily basis. And then he says, look, I love you. I want to fill you. I want to be that living water that takes you from day to day, moment to moment, place to place. I want to embrace you. Scripture reminds us, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. The well is not shallow. The well is deep. If if you all drink out of it, it's no lower than if I go right after you. You know what I'm saying? That well doesn't have the same problems that the earthly well has. It's always available, always refreshing, always deep. Tim, can you play that video for me? I want to just take a minute today before we, we go. And I'm going to ask you guys, look. I found this when I was looking at artesian wells and their sources and how deep they are and all that stuff. Can you hear that? Isaiah would say, I could hear the abundance of rain There was not a cloud in the sky. There was no indication water was coming. But he said, I can hear the abundance of rain. He knew rain was coming. Because in his heart, as he prayed and sought, he felt God tell him an assurance. You are not going to perish. I am going to provide for you. I want to ask you guys today. Is there something in your life that you need to be cognizant of the sound of the abundance of what God wants to do for you? Is there something you're seeking, where maybe you've lost the 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 essential inertia to know God cares greatly about it and wants to take care of that? Can you hear the waterfall? Does it sound like a waterfall to you? Can you hear it? Can you see it? Let's just take a second, even on online. Just close your eyes for a minute, and I'm a hush for just a second. But what I want you to listen for is Lord Jesus. God, there's this place in my life that I need you, and you know, Lord, I'm more like a rock than a sponge, and I need you to make me sponge-like. God, help me be aware that you want to fill us. Lord, I, I right now, Lord, everyone here, we're just going to give them a second, Lord, just to talk to you about whatever it is that feels empty and thirsty and dry. Because God, I know you want to sustain them. Let's listen for a moment. Do you have that need? Is there something in your life you need God to fill? The well is deep. Provisions are enormous. Far more than you can ask or think he will provide for you. Can you hear the abundance of rain? Can you hear the depth of the well? Can you hear the water trickling that says, Hey, come to me, any who are thirsty. You will thirst no more. If your heart is broken, if there's something that has has hindered your ability to just say, Lord, I accept you, I pray right now you hear the abundance of what's waiting for you at the well, that well of eternal life. Anybody right now who's listening to this message and you don't know Jesus as Lord and personal Savior, today's the day. There's an abundance waiting for you. Life doesn't have to be this hard. God loves you very much. He wants to care for you. He wants to show you how much he loves you. And all he asked, out of all the sacrifice that he's made on the cross and rose from the dead on the third day, out of all that, all he asked is said, believe, accept me as your Lord, and for the sins I've committed, I make you my Lord and personal Savior. So today, Lord, we hear... We hear through faith the abundance of rain. We hear through faith the depth of the well. And we hear, Lord God, how much you want to bless us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys for listening today. I encourage you find that sound. Hear what God has for you. Thanks for watching. Amen. Give the Lord a hand.